Right, good morning, everybody. Well, there was more cheers for that than there was having dinner with me. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Super excited to be here with you guys. And uh, real quick, wasn't Jen awesome last week? Such a good message. I, um, I, got the, I got to listen to it this last week, and I'll, let me tell you, I will never hear the phrase, bleeding, from fi- bleeding your finances, ever the same again. After her message on, on the woman who uh, was healed by touching Jesus from her constant bleeding. But what a, what a great message on not being defined or labeled by your mess. And so super thankful to her and um, super thankful that I get to be here with you guys this morning. If you have your Bibles, open them up to Romans chapter 6. We're going to continue on our series uh, in Romans today. And, uh, and as you get there, a little recap of stuff that we've already talked about. Uh, we talked a lot about sin and how sin is bad. Sometimes we downplay it, but we talked about this, this big sin problem we all uh, deal with and, and work through on a, on a daily basis. We talked about Jesus, the power of what he did, and how he was this incredible rescue from sin. And he came and uh, paid the ultimate price so we didn't have to. Um, but today we're going we're gonna to continue on that a little more, because um, sometimes there's a lot of times people may say, well, I was a sinner, Jesus died for me, and that's the end of the story. But there's so much more to the story. There's so much more for our lives. Jesus didn't just say, I came and died for you, so do nothing. Jesus said, I came and died for you. There's, there's much more now that we get to work through. There's, there's much more he has in store for us. And it's, it's fun that Romans really breaks some more of this down for us. And I love that we, when we read through Romans, we'll see that, that Jesus came to offer us an incredible amount of freedom. An incredible amount of freedom. And it's, it's different kind of freedom that, that people are used to, right? And when you, when you hear freedom... A lot of different things go through a lot of different people's minds. Some people would say, you know, yes, we are a free country. Other people would say, no, we are not really a free country. What does freedom mean to you? What does freedom mean to me? That, that means a whole lot. There's a wide gamut of what the word freedom could say and do for us. But Romans talks about how this, this rescue from sin gives us a life of freedom and a freedom in the pursuit of righteousness. Righteousness. There's a, there's a nice churchy Christianese word for people, right? Righteousness. I, I think it'd be easy to say if we, we could say if, you, if you've been in the church circuit, you probably heard that word, righteousness. I, you, what it means to be righteous or live in righteousness. But but I'd also be willing to bet if I were to ask who can define righteousness, it'd be one of those things where you're like, well, I, I know what it is, but I don't know how to put it into words. And, and Romans talks a lot about righteousness. I mean, th- this word is in the songs that we sing. It's in verses we read. It's used in Bible studies. It's used in conversations. And and there, there's a lot to it, right? But Romans actually addresses what does it mean to live out in righteousness? Take it from a a big Christianese word and make it a very practical application. What is this new way of life? And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to unpack this pursuit of righteousness that that Paul talks about in his letter to the the, the Romans. Now, what this does is that this pursuit of righteousness, like I said, gives us freedom. And the freedom that it talks about here is this is freedom to walk away from the old ways of your life. Freedom to to move past the old and enter into a new life with Christ. It's freedom to pursue the the kingdom of God. Freedom to live in righteousness, as it calls it. And if you've got your Bible um, or the Bible app or your DigiBible, whatever you're using these days, Romans chapter 6, we're going to start reading in verse number 1. So Romans 6, 1 through 11, and it says this. What should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? 
Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in a new way of life. For if we have been joined with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that sin's dominion over the body may be abolished so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin, since a person who has died is freed from sin's claims. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer rules over him. For in light of the fact that he died, he died to sin once for all. But in the light of the fact that he lives, he lives to God. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. All right, take a breath. That's a lot. That's a lot of verses and a lot of, a lot of death, abolished, raising. There's a whole lot happening here. But I want to focus on the image that Paul paints of how we relate to Christ and offer some, some guidance. If, if this is your first time here, those are the kids having fun, and that's totally cool. All right? Um, often I'll just go through it, but, uh, but I know there's a lot of visitors here today. So no, it's kids having fun, and I love that they're having fun. I was a children's pastor for 13 years, so um, I was normally up there you know, in the church I used to work at, jumping up and down with the kids and leading all the chaos. I love it. I want to focus on an image Paul paints about how we relate to Christ. How do we walk through this and, and see what the Bible says about guiding us on what it means to live a life that is righteous, live a righteous life. So the Bible makes it clear that, that God loved us so much that he sent his what? His only son. I said a lot of people, we, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. It's one of those verses, John 3, 16. Even if you um, aren't a believer or don't know the Bible very well, that, that's a very prominent verse. He loves us so much that he sent his son. Now, what I love is he sent his son, but he sent his son to us to be on our level. Jesus was not floating in the clouds, looking down, dictating. Jesus was on the ground, walking with the people. He was on our level. He was facing temptation. He didn't give in to it, but he was facing the things that we faced, facing the things the people faced. He was right there with them. And ultimately, he sacrificed himself for our sins. And because of the sacrifice, Paul says, we are united with Christ in his death. We are united with Christ in his death. That's a funny phrase. What does it mean to be united with Christ in his death? So let's talk about that first, united with Christ. I think one of the keys to understanding this is, is what it says in Romans 6, 2, in the passage we just read. It says, we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? So Paul's making this point. He says, when we die to our sin, when we decide to choose Jesus, we repent of our old life. We're saying that life is gone, and we turn our back on it. We say, this was the old me, no more. And you are moving ahead. You turn your back on sin and death. Now, obviously, a life of sin, as Scripture talks about, is not a fulfilling way to live. Not a fulfilling way to live your life. But, but many of us, I mean, how, how many of us have spent years going back to it? Living that life of darkness, not, not really focusing on what God has for us, but focusing on the things that made us feel good, the things that in our minds made sense, and not doing the things that we know God wanted us to do. And we keep turning back to our old ways and sin. But for those of us maybe who have, have made that commitment, we've said, hey, I, I want to turn to Jesus, we know not to turn back, but we still do sometimes. But we know we shouldn't. We know we're not supposed to live in it. We know we can't live in both, in our world and in the world of God. Our past, our sin, that's not what defines us. We need to turn our back from it. I love that that's what Jen talked about last week. 
your sin and your past not defining. Your issue is not your label. Jesus defines you. And Jesus has created us new because of his death and resurrection. So continuing kind of the theme that Jen talked about, Jesus defeats that label. He defeats the sin. He defeats whatever it was that maybe you identified with that was bringing you down or or pulling you away from the ways of God. Jesus has defeated it. He's already beaten it. We don't have to walk in it any further because it's already been handled. But we all know it's easier said than done. We touch on this verse a lot, but it's so important because it's in Romans and we're in Romans. But Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, which I think brings further clarity to this point that Paul's making about this, this walk in righteousness, right? A life of sin is not a way to live. In fact, the only payment for sin, the only payment is death. Uh, imagine working for something your entire life. Every day you do this job. You work at it, you work at it, you work at it. And when you're finally done, they say, congratulations, now you die. That is your wage. That is your payment. Not the most exciting job, right? I, I don't know of anyone who'd say, here's my resume. <laughs> I want it. But that's, that's the life we live with sin. The wages of our sin is death. There's nothing we can do to stop that. But the good news is that's where Jesus came in. That's where Jesus came in. And because of his sacrificial death, the curse of sin had been broken. And Paul says it this way, as we read, all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Now, now you could be thinking, it's a little confusing. There's a lot of death and baptizing and dying with and rising with in this passage. And it can be a little, little mind-boggling as, as and you read it in first glance. And you certainly wouldn't be alone thinking that this is really confusing. But I think here's the key that Paul needs us to understand through this passage. Paul needs us to understand all, from all of this, we are united with Christ, which means we are dead to sin. We are no longer slaves to sin. Because we are dead to sin, we are no longer slaves. And because we are no longer slaves, that means we get to live a free life, freedom to pursue him and not go back to our old ways. Free to live the abundant life that Christ references in John 10.10 where he says, a thief comes to steal and destroy. I come that you may have life and have it in abundance. I love that. Jesus says, have life in abundance. We have freedom to pursue him and live his life abundantly when we turn away from our old self because we're no longer slaves to that way. We're united with Christ. We're united with him in, in our death to sin, but we are also alive with Christ in this newfound walk to freedom. We have this new freedom, and this freedom is only given us by, in one way because Jesus defeated death. It's the only way we get to experience this freedom when we acknowledge who Jesus is and what he did. And because Jesus defeated death, the antithesis of that is that we are then raised to life. If our wages of sin is death and Jesus defeated that death, the only other option then is to understand and recognize that because he beat that, we then get to live. You don't get that payment anymore. You don't have to walk in that way. The Bible says our our old sinful selves, they were crucified with Christ. They were crucified. Therefore, that means our sins were meant to stay on that cross. They are gone. They were dealt with. We don't have to go back to them. We don't have to return to them. We don't have to carry them with us. They are dealt with and covered and gone. But so often we run back, right? So often we go back. We, we convince ourselves that that was more fun, that that, that was really what I wanted. That, that was, or, or maybe you, you can't help it because there's an addiction you're dealing with and you, you, you turn back to it. And, and Proverbs talks about this. 
Proverbs 26.11 says, As a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. Let that image just sink in for a minute. If you dare. As a dog returns to its vomit. We have a dog. We've seen this. Um, we, we have a two-year-old boxer named Nala, and she is just a wonderful dog. If, if anyone kicked in our front door at midnight, she'd bring them the rope and say, it's time to play, new friends. That's, that's who she is. But there was one time she got sick and lost her food, and she went back to it. And my six-year-old about freaked out. Dad, what is Nala doing? That's gross. And then, of course, then my wife freaked out. And I'm the only one in the house that can handle cleaning up vomit. Otherwise, they will vomit. It's just, it's, it can turn into a disaster. And I don't know how the dog's not re-vomiting with what she's doing. Like, it's, it's insane. Cleaned it up and said, all right, then what are you supposed to tell the dog? <laughs> don't do that again. It's instinct for a dog, not just our dog. That's an instinct dogs have. But I think that's an amazing visual that we get in Proverbs of something that we would look at as, why would you do that? That's so gross. You know that is not good for your stomach. That's not good for your mouth. That's not good for the people watching you. That's not good for anybody. That is bad. But we do it. Maybe not in that sense. If you do that, go see a doctor. You've got to talk about it. But we do that with our sin. We know it's bad. We know, like, this is not what I need to be going to. This is not how I need to go. And we still go back to it. Like a dog returns with vomit, fools repeat their folly. I believe God shows us the best way to do life. And doing that is not returning to our old ways. Doing that is continuing to pursue him. The way that we live into a righteous life is by seeking to learn from Jesus Christ. If, if you want to understand more of what this, this righteous thing is, it means that we've got to do our best to not turn back to the vomit, not turn back to the folly, but say, God, I'm going to pursue you instead. I know this is bad. I know this is not good and that you are. So I'm going to pursue you instead. Now, I know none of us here today are perfect. Nobody's perfect. And, but, but God shows us how to live this righteous life. He shows us how to do it. And ultimately, it comes down to a day-by-day -day choice. Will I continue to pursue these things? Will I continue to pursue you? Will I continue to pursue myself? Will I go back to the way I was? But it's going to be an everyday thing. I mean, how many of us have said, we've said it to God, like, God, that's it, I'm done, I'm never doing that again, and maybe you'll last it a couple days, maybe you'll last it an hour, <laughs> who knows, right? But, but we, we say, we're going we're gonna to live this way, we're going to pursue it, and we mess up. God knows that we're going to mess up. He knew we were going to mess up. He knows we're going to continue to struggle, but that's why his, new, his mercies are new every single day. That's why every day we get to go to him and say, I'm going to do my best to follow you. We have to ask ourselves, will we continue to go back or will we, will we embrace this brand new life that we have with Christ? Matthew 6.33 says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus invites us to seek. He wants us to seek. He wants us to pursue, to go after it. And he knows that when we do, he will, we will find the best life that he has laid out for us. But there's one lingering question remains. Even if we make this best decision to pursue the things of God, what does living righteous look like? How do I do it? What are the steps, what are steps I can take to say this is how I'm going to actively pursue Jesus and not me? I think one thing we can learn from this is uh, actually from yourself. Learn from your old self. I'm not calling anybody old. Learn from your old self, though. Before, your before Jesus self. 
Paul makes it clear that a good starting place, a good starting point for you to say, how do I do this, is to look at your, yourself, what you came from, and say, all right, this obviously was not working. This was not what we we're supposed to do, so let's, let's move ahead now. Look at where we've come from. Know that you're no longer that person. You've been raised to life with Christ. So the, that means the old you is gone. Second Corinthians says it this way in 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new has, is here. We get to look at our old self and see the things. Now, I, I love Disney. Most of you know that. Um, I love the movie The Lion King. I love The Lion King. And, and I, there's, there's a part in The Lion King where, where Simba um, meets Rafiki. You know, Rafiki met him when he was a baby. But now, grown-up Simba thought he was responsible for his dad's death. He's run away from everything, and Rafiki is singing ridiculous songs and calling him a baboon. It's, it's a funny scene in the movie, right? But I love that when they're talking, Rafiki bashes Simba on the head with his stick. And Simba's, of course, like, ow, why'd you do that? That hurt. And Rafiki says, the past can hurt, so you can learn from it or run away from it. Then he swings the stick again, and what does Simba do, if you know the movie? He just moves out of the way real quick, just dodges his head. In that moment, Simba right there, a whole lot of things become clear to him. One, he learned right away, I don't want to get hit with that stick, so he moved his head, the common sense thing, right? But in that moment, he was able to look at his old past, the things that were defining him, and say, that's not going to define me anymore. I'm now going to pursue what I know I need to pursue. Obviously, he wasn't pursuing Jesus, he was a lion, but the, the principle applies, we're pursuing Jesus, learning from our old self, saying, this is my old self. This is not what matters anymore. What matters is what I know I have to pursue and go do. We can pursue Jesus. We can look at our old self and say, this is who I was. That does not mean this is who I am. This does not mean this is who defines what I'm going to do. This does not define my everyday. Jesus defines my everyday. And I get to pursue him for that. <clears throat> we can make an adjustment. And only he gets us the directions for it. We get to learn, don't dwell on your old self. Don't live in your old self. Don't live in guilt and shame of your old self. Know that the old self is gone. And Jesus looks at you brand new and says, I'm proud of this brand new you. And we get to do so many good things. Second would be to embrace the Holy Spirit. Embrace the Holy Spirit. Paul calls us a new creation. And though we may be tempted to go back at times and, and, and do things that we used to do, living in a righteous life requires us to, to, again, leave the past in the past as we move forward. And I believe a, a key principle to this, that to constantly cling to, is the power and guidance of the Holy Spirit. I think, um, and I, I'm guilty of this a lot as well, often I don't, I don't talk enough about the Holy Spirit. Even in my own, my own personal prayer life, I, I pray a lot to God, I pray a lot to Jesus, but, but sometimes I, I feel like I, I don't give the Holy Spirit the credit that he is due for what he actively does all the time in my life and in this place. As we walk with God, man, the Holy Spirit is what Jesus said he's going to send to us to be our guide, to be our helper, to be the one that is with us in the midst of these troubles, the one that will encourage you when you're feeling down. Galatians 5.22 says this about us as we dive into the Holy Spirit, as we embrace this new creation that God has made us to be. It says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So as we, we walk by the Spirit, when we, when we let the Holy Spirit, the, the Trinity of God, come in and say, this is what I'm going to do in your life, we start to see these fruits being produced. And if we're looking for a list of things which, which God cares about, which God wants to see in your life, this is a great list to start with. 
This is an amazing list because this list shows that God is working in your heart. God is molding your heart, and that is coming out in the way you talk, the way you act, the way you interact with people. This list is incredible. These are the rhythms God desires to see in your life. The good news is you don't do this alone. You don't do this alone. We're set to live this righteous life, but we aren't expected to walk in this new life by ourselves. In fact, God knew. He knew we couldn't do it by ourselves. He knew we wouldn't do it by ourselves. So he sent a helper. If you've been involved in church some time, you've probably heard the Holy Spirit, talked about the Holy Spirit. You may have heard positive things. Maybe, maybe you've heard a lot of negative things. Maybe you've been to church and you, you're one of those people who would say, I've been burned by the church. I've been hurt by the church. I used to go and then this happened and so I don't, I don't follow it anymore. But I'm, I'm here to tell you that God is real and he still loves you. And he sent the Holy Spirit to be an active part of your everyday life. <clears throat> Jesus said this about the Holy Spirit in John. John 16, 7, he says, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus said it was to our advantage that he would, he would ascend into heaven and he would send the Holy Spirit. And if Jesus, typically when he says something, it's, it's pretty good. You know, he's got a pretty good success rate on, on his delivering of promises and then the, the things he teaches us and um, helps us along with in our life, right? So if he says, this is advantageous to you, that I'm sending you the Holy Spirit, we can, we can make a pretty good bet in our lives that this is a good thing to dive into, to explore the Holy Spirit, to let him manifest, to, to let him work in your heart. This, Jesus is saying, this is good. The Holy Spirit is our helper, it's our advocate, it's uh, the Holy Spirit. It, it's part of the Trinity of God. The Spirit's job is to empower you. It's to enable you. It's to guide you and to help you in this journey of faith. So know that you are never, ever alone. You have God with you. And I'll say that again. The Spirit's job is to empower, to enable, to guide, and help you in your journey of faith. It's to help you. When, when you have those moments where you say, this is my old self, and that old self's looking really good right now, the Holy Spirit's there to say, look at me instead. Let's look this way instead. Let's turn from that. Let's, let's keep focusing on this new you and not the old you. He's there to help. We have the Holy Spirit, so you're not alone. And if you're here today, do this real quick. Really hard exercise, right? Everyone just look around the room real quick. What do you see? It's not a trick question. What do you see? Look around the room. There's people here. There are people here. I know what, right? You are not alone. Not only do we have the Holy Spirit, but we've got our church body. We've got people in community with us to help us along in this path. You are not alone. When you looked around and saw people, guess what you saw? You saw people with issues. Some of you just said, what, me? Yeah, I know, right? You saw people with issues. We all have issues. We all go through things. We, all, we can all be on one day riding high saying, God, you are so good and in my life, and the next day saying, what am I doing? What have I done? God, why did you allow this? I mean, it's a roller coaster. We have issues, but we also all have God working in our hearts, and we all have the Holy Spirit wanting us to grow. We all have this journey of faith going towards God and pursuing the best that he has for us, and we get to be a part of each other's walk. We get to help each other. We get to spur each other on. You are not alone. If you're online watching today, Know that you are not alone. I would love for you, if, uh, if maybe you've been watching online for a while, I'd love for you to come here and, and sit in one of these seats and, and meet some of the people with issues. 
meet, this, meet people here and know that we can help each other out. We can all help each other in our pursuit of pursuing the new us and not turning back to the old us. And we can all do this together because we have God on our side doing it with us. First him, then with us. People want to do this journey with you. I know I want to do this journey with you. This church body, we, I love the church. I love that we get to do that with each other. We get to spur each other on and encourage and push each other forward. Know that no matter where you are, if you came here alone today, know that you're not alone. If you're going to go home and maybe be home by yourself, you're not alone. If you're online watching this by yourself, you're not alone. You have a church that wants to do this with you. You have a God that wants to do this with you. The pursuit of righteousness is not only a communal one, it's an empowered one. God knew that we'd need the extra hand. He sent divine reinforcements. It doesn't get any better than that. He sent divine reinforcements to help you with your battle. And nothing can beat him when he's on your side. Nothing can beat us when we are going with God on our side. What an amazing gift, right? That is so incredible. <clears throat> we all need help sometimes. Has anyone here ever moved before? Like packed up and moved? I was talking to someone this morning. They're actively moving right now. There's another uh, family that here at church that is currently moving. There's, there's a lot of people that move. Now, I know that in February last year, we moved from California up here to Washington. Let me tell you, moving is not fun. I don't know, I mean, if you think it's fun, all power to you. I've never met that person yet. But, but when you say, what are you going to go home and do today? I'm going to pack boxes, right? I'm going to play Tetris in the cars and the, the pods and whatever it is you're doing. It's not exactly a fun thing. And, and when you've been in a house for, for 10 years or, or longer, you've got a lot of stuff. It, it's amazing the stuff you find when you start going through cabinets and drawers and you lift up a, a couch and you go, there's those toys. Like, you know, just the, the kids' toys that you thought the dog ate, they're there. But you, you find things, but it, it's sometimes what I knew I needed when we were packing up, because we were still, you know, both when you move, you don't get to tell work most of the time, you know, hey, hey, work, I'm going to take, you know, a few weeks off to, to, to move. So you, sometimes you're working up to that point, and you need a hand. You need help. I know that when we moved, we were blessed with the amount of people um, at Creekside, where I was working in, in Martinez, California, that came and helped us pack up and move. And it made, it made the process more enjoyable. It made it fun because I was with my friends and family. And I, I have a huge family as well, and they were there. But we needed help. And I know that I could not have done that move by myself. And if I did, I would have hated every minute of it. It just was not exciting to me. To, I mean, the, the destination was exciting, absolutely, but the process is not the fun part, right? And then I know that when we got up here, we were blessed with a community that we had been to all of twice, once to spy on the church to see if we even wanted to apply, and second, to actually apply. So I'd only, I'd only met the people here a couple times. And when we moved into our home, there was a moving party welcoming and waiting for us to help us unload into our new home. It was amazing. The community is amazing. Going forward and knowing that people are alongside you is a powerful thing. Know that you are not alone. When we move in life, and I'm not talking about physical moving anymore, but when we take a, make a movement in our life, when we move from living in flesh to pursuing God's ways, to pursuing a righteous life, pursuing righteousness, it's a lot of work. It's a big move, and a lot of work means you're going to need a lot of help. 
Rely on your people. Rely on the, 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 your brothers and sisters next to you. Rely on God to help you in these times. Know that you're not alone. Know that this is a sprint. This is not a sprint, sorry. This is not a sprint. It's a marathon. It takes time to rewire your old ways of thinking. It takes time to rewire speech habits, to, to rewire and break old habits. But ultimately, when the Holy Spirit is your guide and the Holy Spirit is your helper and your power moving forward, it's an incredible tool, incredible resource, an incredible God to help you get through these things. It begins with prayer. Share your concerns with God. Share your questions with God. He's bigger than your concerns. He's bigger than your questions. I loved it when Pastor Chris spoke a little over a month ago and he said, God can handle your problems. God can handle your questions. God can handle your concerns. He wants to handle your questions and he wants to handle your concerns. Sometimes we gotta come to him knowing in the midst of our questions and concerns, when we say, God, I'm just having a hard time pursuing this thing right now. I'm having a hard time knowing what to do. Sometimes, this, this one's really hard for me. Sometimes just be quiet and listen. One of you just laughed at me. I heard it. Sometimes just be quiet and listen. What are you hearing? In those moments where you say, God, I'm just gonna, I'm not gonna say a word. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna sit before you and say, God, tell me something. What are you listening? How are you hearing him? Where are you feeling that gentle nudge in your life where God says, hey, let's start here. Let's work on this first. Talk with others in your small group. What are you hearing? Share with your community. Share with your friends, your family. Share with God. What's learning? Bring your questions. Sometimes I think we're too afraid to ask the question. Ask the question. It's not going to get answered. No one's going to be able to help you with it if you don't ask the question. If you have that question, like, this is my old self, this is my new self, how do I fix this? How do I work on this? Ask somebody. Ask God, ask a friend, know that we're in this together. Living a righteous life demands that we die to our old way. The daily pursuit and commitment to saying no to the things that we should say no to. But I know that the more our old self dies, the more we turn away from that and say, I'm, I'm done with it, I'm done with it, I'm pursuing this, the easier it gets. It doesn't get 100% easy, but I know it gets easier. The more you say no to something, it's hard at first, but then it gets easier because you see the benefits of turning away from that. Today, um, we get to celebrate something really, really cool. I'm gonna invite the worship team back up. Um, we get to do something really, really cool today. Today, we're celebrating people that have said exactly that. They've said, you know what? My old self is gone. I'm turning away from it, and I've chosen to follow Jesus. And the way we get to celebrate that is through baptisms. Now, if, uh, if you've been in church, you've seen baptisms before, but but I love baptism because baptism, let, let's, you know, a couple things baptism does not do. That water is not holy water. That water will not wash away your sins. That water will not turn you into an instant Christian. It doesn't work that way. That water was, that, that is Fir Grove Water Company from the hose, right? But what that water symbolizes is powerful. What that water symbolizes is people saying, this was my old self, and when you go into the water, you're saying, my old self is gone, it's dead. Just like Jesus was sacrificed on that cross and he died to sin, we are saying, our old self is gone to sin. I'm not living in it anymore. And then we come up out of the water, and that's a symbol of Jesus coming out of the tomb, saying, I am alive, I am brand new. And when, we, when people come out of that water, that's what the symbol is saying. 
It's a symbol of saying my old self is dead and I am brand new, alive again with Christ. And Jesus says we get to go forth, make disciples, and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And today we have 12 people signed up that said I am making this decision to publicly declare to the devil I am not yours and to God I am his and to all of us I'm with you guys. I get, I get emotional baptism. I love it. I love what this means. What I'd like to do as well is let you know, 12 people have signed up and you're going to see them. We're going to celebrate and I want to invite you guys when, when the team is playing to stand and sing and when you see people getting baptized, let's, you know, cheer. This is, this is celebration time. If you have never been baptized before, it does not matter that you did not sign up. If you feel right now, you say, this is, this is something I've never done and I want to do it. God's put it on your heart. I want to let you know that come on over and get in the tank. I don't care what you're wearing. Just be wearing something. Come over, get in the tank. Take out your, your keys, take out your wallet, take out your phone, put them on your chair. We've got sweats you can change into so you don't go home freezing. You can keep the sweats. We've got towels over there, so don't worry about it. I didn't bring a towel. If you feel that nudge, you say, God, I want to do this right now. Or maybe you're at a point in your life where you say, I'm going to recommit, and this is going to be a symbol for me saying, God, I'm all in. I want to open that up for you guys to do that today. So today as we close service, we're going to close with this awesome time of celebrating. Um, don't miss out. If you feel that nudge, jump in the tank. We'd love to make this declaration to say, God, I am all in, and I am all yours. Amen? Would you stand with me? God, I thank you so much for today. God, I, I thank you that we get to celebrate with baptism people that have said uh, to the enemy, I'm not yours, but to you, God, I am. I'm all in. So God, today we celebrate this new life. We celebrate and cheer the people that have chosen you as Lord and Savior. And God, I ask that today as we celebrate, God, I pray that, that heaven is full of the cheering of saints and angels as they celebrate with us what we're doing today. So God, we thank you. We love you. And everybody said, amen. amen.